Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Mark Geist Show. This is Mark Geist, your host, and thank you for joining me. Putting out two episodes pretty much back-to-back. The other one I had recorded most of early this week. That's why I made reference to the long 4th of July weekend, even though we're closer to the next weekend already. But I had to make another one about this topic. The, The Hillary Clinton email scandal, that was irresistible. I had to do one on that. But with the two major police brutality against black cases, so the two police killings that happened, I believe they're both in the last 24 hours, at least in the last 36 hours, both of them. But two huge stories. Uh, One was Alton Sterling. Another one was Philando Castile. And Black Lives Matter now is out in full force about both of these killings, and it's brought up the countless other names that have died questionably at the hands of police. Uh, Some of them look much, much worse than others do. Others don't really look like examples of police brutality, but they're all kind of getting lumped together. And these two were both huge stories, two of the biggest reactions I've seen, and a lot of people that previously hadn't commented on the police brutality issue or on the potential racism of police or racism of the entire American system you were seeing a lot of people that normally wouldn't comment about that come out in full force. So I'm going to talk a little bit about just my perspective on the the two killings, and I don't know many details at all about either of them, so do not take this as an authoritative, (laughs) exhaustive list of the details about the two cases. The Alton Sterling one I'll talk about first. The video I saw was was pretty damning. Uh, Two officers had him had him pinned down on the ground and they claimed that he reached for his gun in his pocket. He had a gun in his pocket uh, and shot him dead and shot him shot him multiple times and you see it all on camera. Pretty gruesome. And like I said, you can't really tell from from the video whether or not he reached from the gun or whether or not he reached for the gun. So we're gonna have to wait to see what else comes out. If he was reaching for the gun, that would be that would be reason to shoot somebody dead because all it takes is a split second for a gun to come up and for shots to get off and, and for an officer to get hurt. And you know he was already resisting arrest. He was a career criminal pretty much. He had a pretty long rap sheet. He was a pedophile. Uh, or he, he had gotten in trouble for having sex with a very underage girl. And he'd had many other run-ins with the law. Not that that really should play into how we evaluate the case because just because somebody's a criminal does not mean that they deserve to be killed at the hands of police. And that's a very anti-American sentiment. If the people that are saying that he deserved it because of these other things that he's done, that's simply not the case. And if if you advocate that, it's a, it's a very slippery slope because many of us have had run-ins with the law many of us have done unethical things not not all of us but it's a slippery slope when you start saying people deserve a gruesome death like that where where really do you draw that line so i don't know many details about this case that video looked pretty bad though and then the philando castile there isn't a video of him being shot there's a there's a video that his girlfriend live streamed right afterwards, and he's in the Minneapolis area, so actually not terribly far from where I live. Uh, there's a video of him bleeding out, basically having just been shot, 
and his girlfriend is very calmly saying what happened, saying that the officer asked him to reach for his ID. He was carrying a weapon. He said that he was carrying a weapon and then reached down for his ID, and the officer shot him dead. And you can see the officer panicking, and you know he yells, Fuck! And he's, he seems very flustered, which you should be after you kill somebody. But I think the reason why he's so flustered is because he knows that he really, really screwed up. So his reaction, the, the officer's reaction, is pretty damning in that case. So neither of these look good for the police at all. And uh, though it's speculation, I mean, though, though we're not really sure what happened and we're going to have to wait to see what other details come out, it's, it does not, like I said, does not look good. So I, I first want to say that this is heartbreaking. And I, I kind of touched on this before that nobody deserves nobody deserves to die at the hands of police unless they have actually done something to directly you know threaten the lives of police or the lives of others. And it really doesn't look like that happened in either of these cases, though it may have happened in the first case he may have been reaching for his gun. In the second case, we don't really know what happened, but First, I want to offer my condolences to the families and to, to all their loved ones, and it's just terrible, and I can't really imagine going through something like that with somebody in my family. At the same time, I also want to make clear that I don't think that this is a racial thing, and I do not think that these deaths are due to racism against blacks. I think what, what these killings are it's representative of a larger issue, and it's police brutality against everybody in the United States. It's police brutality itself, not police brutality against blacks. So the, the black victims of police brutality are publicized very heavily due to the tenuous race, race, race relations we have in this country, and I think that the white victims, which are many, are really left out of left out of the public eye because there's not really demand for hearing about white victims of police brutality but think about how much coverage these stories have gotten and how many people have made money off of publicizing these and stoking the racial the racial fires for the next big event where they can make even more money publicizing that next event but i think there are if you look at the statistics it's 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 really it's not unfairly blacks aren't killed at a, at a disproportionate rate they are killed at a disproportionate rate in terms of their percentage of the population so about twice as many whites are killed as as blacks at the hands of police every year so it means about a third well we'll say Well, it's actually less than a third are killed at the at the hands of police every year. Less than a third of the American population. They're about 12 to 13 percent of the population, um, because obviously there are other racial groups. It's not just whites and blacks that make up America. So combined, they might make up you know 80 to 85 percent. I'm not sure exactly how much they do together. Um, so something like 25 percent, we'll say, of police killings in the United States in a given year are black. And we'll say about 50% are whites. Um, 
and when you look at blacks being about 13% of the population, obviously it means that they are killed at a disproportionate rate if you were just looking at the rate in the population. However, if you look at if you look at what should correlate strongest with dying at the hands of police, it should be violent crime. And I don't have the I don't have the numbers on this or exactly what percentage of all deaths at the hand of police come during or after a violent crime has been committed, but I have to think it's a very high percentage. And if you look at the numbers, actually, whites and blacks commit about the same number of violent crimes in a given year. So if anything, if you look at those numbers, you would think that blacks are actually being killed less by police than you would expect when you're looking at it in percentage terms as a percentage of all police deaths. So, I mean, the evidence doesn't really doesn't really lead you to the point that this is an epidemic just against blacks, but it's an epidemic against all of us. And I think that's what we need to be talking about. And I think a lot of people are talking about that, but it kind of get over, gets overshadowed by, like I said, the tenuous race, race relations and how easy it is to use something like this to stoke those fires. And those fires are much more explosive than the fires of of simple police brutality. When you make it about whites versus blacks or race against race, now a lot more people get involved than otherwise would, than otherwise would be fighting just a a fight against police brutality. For or against, I guess, for or against the police and the culture that's been created. So I want to attack, why is this? Why do we have a police brutality issue in the United States? And we do have an issue. And I know it's not all police. I know that. I, I, I know many police officers, and many of them are great people that are trying to make a difference. So it's not as if 100% of police officers are causing this problem. But there is a problem in the United States. So first, I think we've saddled our police with impossible tasks. So if you look at the war on drugs, which has been a a catastrophic failure, we've thrown away trillions upon trillions of dollars just to try to stop people from putting certain things into their bodies. And drug usage rates are no lower than they were when the war on drugs started. And all we've done is create cultures of crime. So. That's been a huge failure, but it's tasked police with eradicating something that's impossible to eradicate. No matter how much police intervention you have, no matter how much surveillance you have, people are going to find a way to get the drugs that they want to take. People are going to find a way to ingest what they want to ingest. Depends on if you want to make it easier for them or if you want to make it significantly harder and make it illegal and now make them go underground and get involved with criminal operations where the criminal operations actually do hurt people, you know, where there actually are victim crimes with victims, not just victimless crimes of buying and using drugs. So you task police with enforcing that, and then task them with that on top of fighting real genuine crime, which also will never go away. So that's, that's always an uphill battle. But the entire thing, when you take it in, in the aggregate, it's absolutely unwinnable. It's putting them in, in terrible positions. It went... When people see the police trying to enforce these laws, so I, I talked about victimless crime, so talking about, you know, marijuana possession, really any drug possession, 
open container in public, seatbelt laws, texting while driving, you know, any of these any of these pointless laws, any of these thousands of ridiculous laws on the books around the country, they really they lose respect for not just the police that are enforcing the laws, but for all laws in their entirety. So when they encounter police, they don't respect the police. And then the police can pick up on this. You know, they're receptive. They've gone through a lot of... They're perceptive, sorry. They've gone through a lot of training. And you can tell when somebody doesn't like you. You can tell when there's when there's disrespect there. So when police interact with people, they're just powder kegs waiting for a small, tiny spark. And that's all it takes to turn them into a violent confrontation. And then... In this powder keg, in this powder keg situation, police become trigger happy. These kind of things happen, and it's just it's just putting them in a in a terrible situation. And all this reverts back to far too much power being placed in the hand of the state. So if police were just out there trying to enforce legitimate laws, and by legitimate I mean crimes with a victim, there would be much more respect for our system of law. And for the police, because people would actually be able to see this is how the police are protecting me. They're they're out there stopping people from raping and robbing and murdering and any of the other violent crimes or crimes with the victim that police can be out there enforcing. There would just be so much more respect for the system of law. And the police are really our frontline representatives of that system of law. So there would be more respect for the police in that type of situation. Also an important part of this is we there are resource limitations. So if all of our focus is on punishing people for committing victimless crimes, such as drug possession, like I talked about before, or even you know, selling drugs or <laughs> laws about texting and driving and seatbelt laws and all these ridiculous laws, they take away from our ability to punish those who commit serious crimes. Many of these young men that have died at the hands of police have extensive police records with some serious violent crimes peppered in there. So I, I read yesterday about Pierre Laurie. I believe that's how you pronounce his last name, but he was a 16-year-old who was shot dead by Chicago police within the last year. I don't remember exactly when it was, but the, the Chicago Tribune did a long piece about him and about his family, a lot of quotes in there. They did a lot of different interviews. It was a pretty, pretty long piece. But in there, they talked about how he was part of the criminal justice system from the time he was 13 or 14 or something like that. He'd been a member of of a gang for six years, I think, I think since he was 10. And he'd never truly been punished. He'd had one big incident where he and a group of friends beat up a woman on a train uh, on the west side of Chicago and beat her up very badly. I think she ended up having to get staples in her head and he had to get half of her hair shaved off in order to get the staples in. Severely beat up this woman and stole her cell phone and all he got was probation as a result of that. He wasn't sent a real message. So there are countless examples out there of murderers and rapists and other violent criminals being given light sentences to enable drug offenders and other people who committed victimless crimes to serve their sentences because like i said there are resource limitations we only have so much jail space we only have so much money we only have so much court time 
only so many judges and only so many public defenders. So all of this combines to an it doesn't allow the criminal justice service the criminal justice system to do its job, which is to punish people that are infringing upon the rights of other people. And instead it wastes our resources on people who are not doing that. So this the system's really the worst of all worlds. So it punishes people who commit violent crimes. It doesn't send the appropriate message to those that do commit violent crimes, and it puts police in a bad situation. So it's kind of similar to what I've said about how a business can't be everything to everyone. I talked about that on on one of my... I know I talked about it in the the student loan podcast where I said that now colleges are trying to be everything to everyone. The only reason why they can sustain that is because of the existence of government student loans because every other business is trending toward individualization and trending toward needing to cater to a niche or to particular niches in order to survive. So a system of laws can't survive, or it can't. It can survive, but it can't actually be effective when it's trying to regulate every human behavior. It, it simply can't be respected or taken seriously by the people that it's trying to regulate when it's doing that. You need to pick your battles, essentially. And the battles that should be being picked are against those crimes with a victim. I know violent crimes first come to mind. I also want to make sure I point out fraud and you know other crimes where maybe there's not nobody's getting their face punched in or nobody's getting killed but there still is a victim there but they need to be focusing on those crimes not victimless crimes of course i also need to talk a little bit about and you know maybe i shouldn't have saved this for last but i don't want to take personal responsibility out of this equation and personal responsibility not just for the people who are at the hands of police, but also the police themselves. But first I'm going to talk about the public and the people that are interacting with police. So I believe that a sense of personal responsibility and also of parental responsibility has been undermined by expansive welfare programs and basically huge government. So it's made it possible for people to have children without without really worrying about having to support them or without knowing how they're going to support them. It's made single motherhood the norm in many areas of the country. And it's really led to a collective collectivist mentality where we aren't responsible for the actions of our children, but instead we think the community is responsible for their actions. And I saw a lot of this, I'm going to go back to that Pierre Laurie story, but his parents gave him tons of freedom despite they knew that he was no longer attending school they knew he was a gang member but they didn't really seem to feel at all responsible for the lifestyle their son led and the situations in which he was putting himself which eventually put him in a situation where he was killed by the chicago police but until we learn as a people that i'm responsible for what i do and i'm responsible for taking care of my family and keeping them out of harm's way at least as best as possible i know it's impossible to control everything and i'm not saying that you know the parents of pierre laurie should be thrown in prison or anything i'm not saying anything like that but they didn't seem to feel the slightest pang of responsibility for what happened and i know that i would be if i was a parent in that situation i would i would be thinking what did i do wrong or is there you know what could i have done differently should i have still given him that freedom despite knowing that he was out associating with 
gang members, that he was an active member of a gang, and that he had committed a violent crime already, you know, I would have taken some responsibility for that at least, and at least tried to do something to eradicate the situation. But they gave no indication that they had done that. So as long as we continue to have this kind of collectivist mentality, we're going to continue to see havens of crime, dependency, and death at young ages in many communities all around the country. And like I said before, I think a big part of this is taking away the perpetual government benefits that so many receive. It's extremely difficult, if not impossible, to learn the value of independence and responsibility if one is never independent. And I think that's what happens with these programs where where people can just receive money perpetually and really can become wards of the state. And they never learn they never learn the, the, the true value of providing fully for themselves. Yes, it's difficult. Freedom is difficult and there are hard times. But there is also a, a sense of accomplishment when you do that. And I think that having these programs there takes away that sense of accomplishment. And I said before, too, I think that the police the police are put in a terrible position, but they also need to be held responsible when they cross the line. And they cross the line far too often. And many people have been killed as a result of crossing that line. And you see all the videos of people's just dogs getting shot dead. It, it, it really becomes an us versus them type of mentality where citizens believe that the police are against them, even people that haven't done anything wrong. And that is not how it should be. Police are public servants. Yes, they need to put themselves in danger sometimes. Yes, there are going to be dangerous situations and people that are just hostile to the law and to their fellow citizens. But you know something is wrong when a huge portion, when a huge segment of the population believes that it's us versus them. It's us versus the police. It's not us and the police working together to stamp out that small percentage of people that commit violent crimes, that commit, that commit serious crimes. That's how it should be, but that's not how it is. So it's evidence there is something wrong and that a lot of police haven't been not enough policemen have been and police women have been held responsible for their actions when they do cross that line and i think that's necessary to keep the system to keep the system going and to keep everybody respecting the system and i think you've seen a huge degradation of respect in the in the criminal justice system in our system of law for pretty good reasons because there are a lot of things wrong with it and I think the biggest thing wrong with it, like I said before, the biggest flaw is that it's trying to do far too much and it's trying to regulate far too many areas of our lives. And this is inevitably what happens. You know, the hired guns that are set out to protect an unjust system are going to cross the line sometimes in order to keep that unjust system going. That's just how it is. So I think it ultimately comes back to the system. And really the whole talking about individual police officers and individual deaths at the hands of police it's it's almost missing the the bigger issue and the bigger issue is that we have our police trying to do far too much and they are going to cross the line as long as the system is like this i want to harken back to that kind of to summarize everything 
and say the issue is far bigger than the predictable argument. So the predictable argument, there's one side that says the deceased deserved what he or she got. Or they try to find excuses to show why the victim deserved it or had it coming. And the other side excuses all the actions of the deceased. So they are always looking for the reasons why that person was wronged. And those are two very simplistic arguments, and it's so predictable. If you go on social media, you'll see people on each of these sides, and it's always, they're always huge battles between the two. But it's it's not that simple. That's what I that's what I want to say. Until we realize that it's bigger than that, and that nothing will ever get solved as long as we keep having this predictable argument. We're going to keep hearing about people dying at the hands of police every single day. And we're going to keep having that same discussion over and over again. And I'm hoping that we can wake up and try to get down to the bigger reason behind this. And the bigger reason behind this is not racism. I do not believe it's racism. I believe it's us putting far too much power in the hands of the state and the hired guns that protect the state, which really is the police. They're they're those hired guns. They are going to overstep those boundaries and be protected in many cases when they do overstep those boundaries. So I think we need to look at the source of the problem. And the source of the problem is not these individual policemen or policewomen, though they need to be held responsible for their actions. They need to be punished severely in order to have respect for a just system. But our system right now is not just. And until we eradicate the war on drugs and eradicate the nanny statism that our system of laws has become where we try to control every aspect of what a person does throughout his or her day until we eradicate that nothing is going to change so i want to thank you again for tuning in to another episode i do apologize i was having some issues with the other software that i was using so i i did notice i went back and listened to portions of a couple of my old episodes and parts were getting mixed up together but I'm, I'm now using different software and I think it's working much better and I hope I should have better results uh, I know the sound quality isn't tremendous but I'm also working on improving that so hopefully we'll continue on this upward trajectory of getting better and better each episode so I'm trying to come in more prepared each episode so I don't drone on too long and get onto any sort of predictable paths like maybe I do have a tendency to do So, like I said, thank you, and have a great weekend. It's coming up pretty soon. Looking pretty forward to it. Thank you.